Welcome into At The Stripe Podcast, presented by TSJ Sports. I'm your host, Noah Lewis, as always, and all I can say is, holy cow, we had a lot of action in Phoenix. It started off with a rain delay, which, yeah, a rain delay in the desert. Who would have thunk it? Uh, I don't even know if that's a word, thunk it? Somebody tell me in the comments. Who would have thunk it? But Brad Keselowski coming out with the win in the desert for the Xfinity Series race. Wow, we had a big rain delay. Got the track clear. Then had another big rain delay. It was all over the place. Finally got that race in. Finished the complete full laps of that race, which I believe was 200-something. And were, was able to get that one in. Very good. Uh, nobody saw the rain coming. I mean, I guess somebody saw the rain coming, but... Not the fans. We thought this would be a picture-perfect weekend, but it definitely was come Sunday. Sunday was a beautiful day, and Kevin Harvick once again coming away. That's three in a row for Kevin Harvick. What a dominating performance for that race team. He did not dominate the race today. Uh, I'm recording this on Sunday. You're hearing this on Tuesday. He didn't dominate the race today, but he did dominate the closing laps and that's all that matters uh so something different that we saw this weekend was Kevin Harvick not dominating most of that race was to Kyle Busch in the beginning stages then Denny Hamlin took over uh William Byron we're gonna jump into him he he led a couple of laps today as a rookie uh only his fourth cup series race we're gonna talk about him a little later but yeah not a dominant performance by Kevin Harvick not a performance that we're used to seeing from him at Phoenix but in the last four races he hasn't let a lap at Phoenix so big big momentum for this team to go in with now three in a row and after what happened on Wednesday following the race that wasn't able to make the podcast because I wasn't recording it at that time what did happen was I'm going to use the old word I know people don't like it it's easier to wrap it up if you knew the word encumbered. That's the win that uh, the win was encumbered from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, NASCAR doesn't use that word anymore. It's good. A lot of people didn't like the word encumbered. They thought it was a little confusing. Well, I I did kind of like it as it caught on, but the win was basically taken away from Kevin Harvick. He still got the money. He still got the credibility for winning the race, but the pre- playoff points that went with it went. Can I talk? The playoff points that went with it, the playoff uh, win that went with it, and the points for the win itself were taken from that four team. And and Kevin Harvick went into this race not very happy. Uh, They call him Happy Harvick, but not a happy weekend at all for Kevin Harvick. After Wednesday's announcement, he felt that it wasn't right. Um, And we're going to talk about why it was ruled encumbered parentheses encumbered uh not the proper word but taken away from Kevin Harvick and that was because of one of the two one of two reasons was the rear window was pushed down as he came up to speed something in the back failed to hold that window frame up and at speed the window would droop a little bit yes that did give Kevin a slight aerodynamic advantage but it wasn't drastic but when we look at NASCAR every little bit counts you need every little 
bit of speed to do it. And, and he wouldn't have probably not won the race had that not happened if it was intentional. Uh, the team saying that it by no means was intentional. Had it been intentional, that wouldn't have been the reason that the team came away with the win. And that's for sure. Uh, they were good all weekend. They were great in Atlanta. And they just carried that momentum over. So what Rodney Childers, the crew chief, said is that the support brace had failed, and which did not meet the specific requirements for NASCAR after they took it back to the R&D, as they usually do with every winning car, to really break down the car, make sure that everything is okay, and make sure that that team is awarded a proper and fair win. Um, also, the rocker panel extensions, which is the side skirts, they were not aluminum. NASCAR mandates that the rocker panel extensions are aluminum. The team did not have it aluminum. That's what also pushed to this L1, as they call it in NASCAR, an L1 penalty. And as I mentioned, that team did not get the benefits for the win toward the playoffs, which was seven playoff points for the winning of the race and both stages. He also, uh, the crew chief, Rodney Childers, was fined $50,000, and car chief Robert Smith was suspended for the next two Monster Energy Cup races, which the first one this weekend in Phoenix, and they were also docked 20 driver and owner points. So, very interesting. The team would go on, obviously, to move on from that little bit of takeaway and that frustration after Las Vegas, and they would show off, and they would say, hey, you know what? You took the win from us. How about we just go claim another one? Also penalized during uh, during last week after was the 55 team with Todd Parrott as the crew chief. Um, they did not pass post-race inspection with one lug nut that wasn't secure. They got a $10,000 penalty. Uh, that's beside the point of right now. So Kevin Harvick just saying, hey, look at us. We are coming off of a weekend that was that started very great with the win, but then ended not so great with the taking of the win. And so coming back to a track that Kevin Harvick is notorious for and winning number nine is is just sensational. He becomes only, I believe, the fourth driver to ever win three in a row over 40, over the age of 40. And it's just great, you know, to see that the team took all that bad mojo that they had headed into the to the race. Uh, Kevin Harvick was nonstop asked questions about what do you think of the way NASCAR handled it? What do you think of all of the things that they t- they've taken from you? All the money they find you, which is is okay. I mean, they're a financially stable team for sure, and that's not going to bother them. But the mentality of taking money and then suspending that car chief, who is essential to the team week in and week out. It just it puts a bad vibe to the vibe to the race team, and they were able to overcome that all weekend and say, "Hey, we're still here. We're still going to contend, and we're going to pass inspection while doing it." And they passed post race inspection tonight. They'll take that car back to the R and D center, and I'm assuming that we'll see another passed inspection for Kevin Harvick at the R and D center. So, not a dominant performance today, but he did it when he needed to. He made the pass on Chase Elliott after a bunch up of cars strategizing trying to stay out trying to catch a caution he was able to get around chase elliott for fourth and fifth 
and, and move on. And Chase Elliott then was passed by Kyle Busch later on, who could not run down Kevin Harvick in time. Kevin Harvick comes home the winner. Uh, while we're talking about the race results, Kevin Harvick did come home the winner. Kyle Busch came home second. Chase Elliott, man, oh, man. Chase Elliott, again, so close, but didn't have the what he needed. Had that race ended earlier uh, after that string of strategy had played out and Chase Elliott kept the lead um, from Kevin Harvick, maybe we would have been talking about Chase. We would have been talking about Chase Elliott today. Uh, not able to do it once again, but a strong performance by them. Anyways, finishing third. He was the only Chevy driver in the top 10, but we'll jump into that in a minute. Uh, Denny Hamlin finishing fourth in a Toyota. Martin Truex Jr. finishing fifth. Clint Boyer finishing sixth. Eric Almarola finishing seventh. Daniel Suarez finishing eighth. Strong run by Daniel. He continues to impress. Eric Jones finishing ninth. And Kurt Busch finishing tenth. Um, something that you may notice there as I read that off is all four Stuart Haas drivers in the top 10. So this is not just a Kevin Harvick type deal for the past few weekends. They've all been running very well in that organization with the new Ford body into their second season with that body is just consistently running better and better. So very nice to see good things coming from Stuart Haas racing and a very, very, very successful day for all of those drivers all of them finishing in the top 10. Uh, something we're not used to seeing is that 10 car finishing in the top 10, and Eric Almarola has done a well of a job maintaining that. But as we talked about Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott in a Chevy, the only Chevy driver to finish in the top 10. Um, that does not really show what the Chevys had this weekend. The Chevys were strong. Uh, in qualifying, Jimmy Johnson in the first round was able to sit on the top spot. He wasn't able to back that up in the second round, but ended up starting, I believe, 17th, 16th. Um, wasn't Like I said, wasn't able to back that up, but that team had not made runs on scuffed tires in practice for qualifying due to their penalty, and he just said he wasn't prepared for the second round on old tires, and he wasn't prepared to tell the team what they needed to adjust on for that second round on the old tires. But nevertheless, uh, Jimmy Johnson's stronger this weekend than we've seen him uh, most recently. And the Chevys were very close to having another top 10 because when you look at 11th place, Ryan Newman, who played strategy there at the end, and as I keep saying, we'll talk about that, but... Uh, Ryan Newman finishing 11th. William Byron, who was very strong today, finishing 12th. His best finish in the cup car in his fourth race. Alex Bowman finishing 13th. Jimmy Johnson finishing 14th. Brad Keselowski finishing 15th. But when you look at Hendrick Motorsports, you got 12, 13, 14, and you've got third. So a very better day for Chevrolet and for Hendrick Motorsports when you look at Phoenix compared to the other races that they've had this season. We've seen a lot of up and downs for Hendrick Motorsports uh, over this season so far. At Daytona, as always, the Chevys were very fast. The Chevy won the race, and Hendrick Motorsports performed to get their great starting spots and to stay pretty much up front the whole day until wrecks happened that put them uh, behind some. But a great thing to see those Chevy drivers getting better, getting more consistent. As we go into Fontana, I'm not sure what we'll see. We've seen them struggle on the mile and a half so far. 
Um, and Fontana's a two-mile track, not a mile and a half, but it almost races like a mile and a half, and not like a short track, which we've seen Hendrick Motorsports prevail on so far this season, which there's only been one. There's only been one. I consider Phoenix a short track. Um, it's a mile of track, but it races more like a short track. It's got sweeping corners. That's kind of like a mile and a half track, but it's got very narrow, small uh, front stretch and back stretch. So it kind of races like a short track, not considered a short track. In my book, it is. But we saw the Hendrick driver strong there today, for sure. And that should be interesting as we progress. Also, you have to play in the factor that all of their cars are out there now. Every single team's cars are already in on the West Coast. So there's no major changes that you can do if you've learned something at a place like Atlanta, Las Vegas. Because by the time you finished Atlanta, the cars were already in Vegas. And you can't do much. So looking forward to seeing what the Hendrick cars can do moving on to other mile and a halfs later on in the season after learning what they have already this season and then how they progress with tracks like this because it's still a learning experience for that body and all the drivers in the Hendrick camp and the Chevy camp continue to work on their cars all day to try to make them better as as best as they could and if one person feels like the setup is the best it is then they're going to share that with the team and they're all going to come together and they're going to say here's what we found Let's put this all together and hope for a winning car once we get there in November, hopefully with somebody in the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how they come back to Phoenix in November, uh, if they have a car that's made it that far, and what that car can do with the further progression of their smarts on those type of tracks and their setups on those type of tracks, etc. Also after this weekend, I'm excited to see once in two weeks we get to Martinsville what the Hendrick and Chevys can do there after seeing the consistency they had today in Phoenix. Like I said, didn't have the not all of them had the top ten, but definitely a way more consistent Hendrick Motorsports in today's race than we've seen in previous races this season. And a more consistent our Richard Childress racing. We saw Austin Dillon up in the top 10 for most of the race. And we saw Ryan Newman leading some of this race on strategy and then rebounding to come back and finish 11th. Austin Dillon would go on to finish 17th, but still a strong enough car to compete in the top 10 for majority of the day. Uh, someone that had a couple of problems was Kyle Larson. A lot of people expected Larson to run very well. If you listen to the last podcast, in the end, I gave a list of drivers who I thought was going to run fairly well this week, and Kyle Larson definitely was on my list. Chase Elliott was as well. Chase did get the finish that was better in, with the podium finish in third, not the win. None of my drivers, except for Harvick, who I obviously chose, uh, came away with the the win. But Kyle Larson, I did not expect to have as many problems as he did. He did also have a a lot of problems in one of the Phoenix races last year, then backed it up with a better finish later on. But Kyle Larson finishing 18th, had some issues, ended up spinning and bringing the caution out at one point. They just totally missed the setup today. He did lead a good portion of the beginning parts of the race, but something as the race went on did not do well in that car, would end up finishing 
a lap down in that 18th position. Another guy who I expected to run better was Joey Logano. I believe he was another one of those drivers that was trying to strategize. He ended up finishing 19th. Not a strong day for him or for his teammates, Brad Keselowski and Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney, the first car a lap down, finishing in the 16th spot. Brad Keselowski, the first car to go a lap down if the leader got to him. Uh, he was the last car on the lead lap in 15th finishing. So not a strong day for some of the Fords. Not as strong as we've definitely seen over the past few weeks. But a Ford ended up on top, and Stuart Haas Racing really showed that they were there. So strong day for those Fords, not for some others out in the field. Uh, Roush Fenway Racing. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was another guy that I said, this guy's going to run very well. Uh, he did in the last few races. Why not? Well, headed into the weekend, before Ricky was even able to make a full lap in practice, something broke in that car, and he slammed into the wall. And we know Roush Fenway is a bit of a struggling organization right now. So we're not sure if, especially on the West Coast, when they're having to ship out so many chassis and so many bodies so many cars that they had a good enough backup car that was as good as their primary car so having to go to a backup car Ricky Stenhouse Jr. did what he could still ended up finishing 23rd not where they wanted to be and another driver that did fairly well today was his teammate Trevor Bain who was in his primary car he would go on to finish 20th after battling around the 11th to 20th spot so, strongish day for Bain as far as what he's done in the past. So, good for that team, I guess. Not the finish they probably deserved on the race, but it is where they finished. Another guy that was not as well finishing as I thought he would be was Bo Wallace Jr. Finishing 28th, not having the day he wanted at all. That team is struggling as well. Um, you look at the RCR-affiliated teams like... Richard Petty Motorsports, and like Jermaine Racing. We saw Ty Dillon run fairly well at different places last year, but this year not running well at all, really. And they've made a big change on the box. They don't have the crew chief they had last year. They have a new guy in that has worked, I believe, within the organization at Richard Childress Racing, who they thought was was better, not Booty Barker anymore, who was originally on that 13 car with Casey Mears, then with a season uh, with Ty Dillon. Not where they want to be right now. Not at all. Uh, 30th place finish for him. And and like I said, Bubba Wallace Jr. finishing 28th. Not where they want to be. And they're Richard Childress affiliated team. So maybe not where those Chevys want to be right now. Uh, definitely needing to get better for sure. We saw... Ryan Newman finished well. A lot of strategy played into that. Austin Dillon run okay, but still not where they want to be over on that side of the Chevy camp. And we've seen that trend before. Uh, Austin Dillon, of course, winning the Daytona 500, but that's a crapshoot. You never know who's going to win that race. You know, Matt Benedetto could have won that race in the equipment that he was in, and he was it, he was setting up in contention to be able to do that. But... Last year, we saw Hendrick Motorsports as the primary Chevy holder team, as well as Chip Ganassi Racing. This year, we're seeing the same with Richard Childress Racing so far in its unsuccessfulness in being the 
at the back of the the good quality Chevy team. So hopefully we'll see them continue to learn the Chevy body and progress. They're not running the same engines as Hendrick Motorsports and as Chip Ganassi Racing. They're running their own engines. So hopefully things get better in that department. They've got a lot of guys working to try to figure that out. And we'll see if there's some sort of improvement as we get over to the East Coast once again in a couple of weeks. Another great story headed into this weekend's race was Matt Benedetto in that 32 car. He finishes 25th. First off, Matt Benedetto, a uh, great guy. Amazing, amazing to the fans. Um, I met Matt Benedetto about two years ago. Had the privilege of meeting him. He really is a fan favorite. He told me a story. He said, my dad always said, if I don't stop to take a picture or sign an autograph for a fan that's calling my name or that I'm walking by that's requesting me, then he'd personally get up and kick me in the butt. And and he said, I am someone that wants to be on the good side of the fans because the fans are what makes this sport. The fans are why I have a job that's paying me so well. And I never want to walk away from a fan and know that I didn't do what I could if I had the time to do it to as much as sign a paper or take a photo. And so when I met Matt DiBenedetto, we had a very long discussion about Bristol the previous year and how he finished sixth in that race and just the emotions he had with that race. Um, just an all-around great guy that'll stop and have a conversation with you. He was on his way to the driver's meeting, and we just stopped and had a good old conversation. So now that I'm getting back on topic, headed into this weekend, Matt Benedetto and that 32 team did not have a sponsor. That team has been running so much better than their equipment uh, with Matt Benedetto behind the wheel. When we saw Jeffrey Earnhardt and a variety of, of drivers racing that car in 2016, we saw a lot of 40th, 40th place finishes from 30th on back at least. With Matt De Benedetto behind the wheel, we've seen a lot of top 20 finishes, or not top 20, but 20th on back. Um, sometimes top 20 finishes and and great consistent runs in that 32 car. He's really hopped in that car and made himself known and headed into this weekend. He didn't have a, a sponsor on the car whatsoever, not even a you know secondary sponsor. And he was he was pretty desperate at the time and he knew that reaching out to the fans could help. So he did. He put a video on Twitter, reached out to the fans and Everybody started to pass the word around, and immediately Denny Hamlin popped up and said, Our, my foundation would love to be a part of the car. Here's my $5,000. Where do I send it to? Uh, soon after that, Kevin Harvick said, of course, I'd love Kevin Harvick management would love to jump on the car. Where do I send my $5,000 to? Uh, shortly after that, Daryl Waltrip then got on and said, the boogity brands would love to chip in $5,000. Where do I send my money to? You know, and, and just so many sponsors were able, or spon but drivers, ex-drivers with Daryl Waltrip, uh, he's now a Fox analyst, were was able to chip in and put a sponsor on that car. And not too much, but to get that exposure and get that support was was amazing. And to show that we can have a small team like Go Fast Racing that's funded for that race 
helped by drivers in the series and a guy like Daryl Waltrip, who's a big, big name in our sport, is just amazing to see. And that exposure led to another primary sponsor coming on board. So he was fully sponsored headed into this race. He's got a couple more races like that. Hopefully some more sponsorship will open up uh, with the sponsor maybe that he had on the car this weekend. But to get that exposure and to pass that word around just shows how much of a quality driver everybody thinks he is and how much of a good-hearted sport that NASCAR still remains to be. So very nice storyline headed into this weekend. It really was amazing for me to see that, knowing Matt Benedetto, having talked to him before, knowing what a great guy he was, for him to get that opportunity and to get that sponsorship that he needed headed into the race. They were financially good enough to head into this race and continue to race it without a sponsor, but it would have made the budget a little tighter, and that's something, obviously, they didn't particularly particularly want. I mean, if you could have the opportunity to have a sponsor on your car, you're obviously going to want to. So his job, he mentioned, his job's not in stake. The race team's not in stake. Everything is okay. The funds are still there, but this really just helped out. So great story to go into. I know I'm blabbing on about that, but great story to to talk about. So uh, we, we also saw a lot of strategy in this race. We saw a lot of guys take two tires on pit stops. We saw Kozlowski first do it to stay out and try to keep and make up ground, and he would end up starting sixth and finishing that stage in seventh, which I believe was the first stage, and he would end up staying in the top ten. Uh, later on, William Byron did that strategy, and he pulled it off the best that I'd seen all day. He took two tires when only one other person, Eric Amarola, who was behind him, took two tires, and that really set them up for the finishes they had because William Byron was riding around in about 20th. The car wasn't as good on the start as it was in practice. They continued to work on that car and it, and just learn lines. I'm still a rookie driver in his fourth race of the season um, of his career in Cup. So... And, and the new car. So continuing to work on that car and learn it, that strategy got him up and got him ultimately that 12th place finish, really. Eric Almirola would go on to finish 7th. He wasn't running well for a majority of the race until he played the same strategy. William Byron would go on to lead 10-plus laps. And, and when the caution came out later, he would still be on the top 10, and he would race his way with some more strategy got passed a little bit on the uh, on the green flag pit stops and fell back to about 12th. But to manage that two-tire stop deal versus the four tires that got him and to stay out front for 10-plus laps was just amazing to see the strategy, you know, worked into this race and to see what, you know, what could happen if a caution came out late in the race, which we didn't see, but we knew was possible. And that would have made things real interesting. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. But still, the strategy throughout the race was great. We saw Newman trying to stay out and catch a caution. Uh, he would still come back to to a nice finish in 11th place. And Jeff Gordon had said, well, Newman's going to pit, and he's going to go a couple, maybe one or two laps down. He didn't. He stayed on the lead lap, and he came back with the fresher tires and finished 11th. So after only taking two in the pits, obviously, but still that strategy worked out for that team. So a lot of strategy being played for stage points, for uh, just the overall finishing. We saw Kurt Busch stay out to win stage two and a, a, a big amount of drivers behind them. 
And something that we did notice also in the race is that NASCAR, we saw this also in the Xfinity Series race, NASCAR was very quick to try to make sure that there was a race for the stage finish. That was something new this weekend. When the caution came out, they quickly opened pit road and got everybody through that wanted to go through and quickly got back to the green to finish a one-lap dash for stage two. That's something that sometimes NASCAR had lacked on in the past, not really trying as hard as they could to finish out the stage if they didn't have to. Uh, Today, very interesting to see NASCAR really say, okay, let's get everything where it needs to be, tell them pit road's open, and we're going to take two to green when pit road opens, and we're going to have a one-lap dash, you know. So very interesting to see that as well. Um, As we said, Byron, his strong run for only his fourth cup race, leading laps, first time doing that in the cup series, very cool to see him do that. And overall, great day for that 24 team, you know. They've come off of a, a rocky patch this last few weeks, so to see them get a good, consistent, clean race out of today and really learn more. And as as I've been saying, the Hendrick drivers in total just to run a better race today and the qualifying that they did and all only one of them missed the last round of qualifying, just an overall great thing to see the Chevys kind of come back and we don't know if we'll see them run okay in Fontana, but hopefully, I hate to repeat myself, but hopefully uh, when we get to Martinsville, we'll see some more competitiveness out of them. And we'll hopefully continue to see the competitiveness out of the Fords that we've been seeing and the Toyotas. I mean, it's something that this year we haven't seen in the past, but we've, we've been seeing this year so far. Last year, we had a lot of Toyota dominance and with Martin Truex Jr. and with Kyle Busch. We didn't see as many battles between manufacturers this year. We've seen a tremendous amount of battling. We've seen the Chevys continue to strive to get better and to continue to work on it. And really, Chase Elliott's holding that banner for the Chevrolet drivers and that team over there with Chevy in total. And we've continued to see the Toyotas try to match up against the Fords. We haven't seen a Toyota in victory lane yet. And by Las Vegas last year, we had already seen it. Uh, we've seen a Chevy win the Daytona 500, and then the same driver in a blue oval win the last three races. So it's so fun, I think, this year, and I think fans should really be excited about it, is seeing these manufacturers really battle. It's not a one-manufacturer domination that we've seen in the past few years, honestly. When we saw the Gen 6 body first come out, we saw the Chevrolets really come out of the gate strong. And we saw them dominate for a while. And then we saw a patch where Team Penske was the cars to beat every weekend. And then we saw the patch of Joe Gibbs Racing and the Toyotas really coming in strong in 2015, having an outrageous number of wins. And then to back that up in 2016 and 2017 with the Toyotas, now we're seeing the Fords. This is really good for NASCAR to continue to have the manufacturers battle, especially this season as we've seen so many good quality cars with the three different manufacturers. So fans should definitely be excited about that little part of this season so far, and it should definitely be a huge storyline as we head into the race. We're only four races in, but so far this season, that's been the storyline. Can they catch the Fords? Can they 
Can the Toyotas keep up with the Fords? Can the Chevys now come in and try to keep up with the Toyotas and the Fords? Could we see a clash between them? This weekend, we had a Ford win the race, a Chevy finish, I mean, excuse me, a Toyota finish second, and a Chevy finish third. Something we haven't seen in previous years as many times as we have this season. So, awesome to see that, in my opinion, and I think in most of NASCAR fans' opinion, to see the rivalry between the manufacturers, which used to be a huge asset in our sport in previous years way back. I mean, in the 90s and in all of that era of NASCAR, the win on Sunday and sell on Monday, the rivalry between the manufacturers was just huge. And to see something like that start to come back in this season is is amazing. It's great for the sport. It's great for the fans. It's just all around great, and I think that we've seen so many good assets this season of NASCAR making changes, whether it's the small change of getting back to the stage finish faster, uh, the LIS machine, well, not LIS anymore, but the new tech machine being faster and getting more more cars out to the qualifying grid, whether it's just the battle between the manufacturers, whether it's the new Chevy body and, and something big and new, just like last year with Toyota. All of these things, you know, new drivers. A lot of fans were iffy about new drivers, and we're seeing those guys really show, hey, I, I'm i ready to be here, and I'm here now, and now I'm going to race. And we see young drivers like Daniel Suarez in his second season really coming away with some good quality days and, and something that we didn't see out of him early last season. And Eric Jones now with Joe Gibbs Racing coming away with good quality Sundays. So... So many good storylines this season that fans should be extremely excited about. And even down to the the racetracks, they're updating so many parts of the racetrack. Richmond just had a huge multi-million dollar update to their infield and to their outside. And Phoenix, as we've seen, is having a huge track renovation, new grandstands, new escalators different things a new booth for the analysts so amazing things that we'll continue to see going into this season that should get even better another guy that came out of this weekend with a very strong finish that we haven't you know seen him have in the past was Clint Boyer he came over to that 14 car last season taking over for uh, Tony Stewart for Stewart Haas Racing and didn't have the year he wanted to. He had a decent year, but not the year that he had hoped for after being with H. Scott Motorsports and the lawsuit and the bad quality equipment. He was ready to get the heck out of 2015 or 2016. Once he got in 2017, hoped to jump out of the gate strong. He didn't, but we've seen Clint Boyer running fairly strong this season so far, and that's something that's great to see for that 14 driver and now with that extra push of Stuart Haas racing running consistent why not Clint Boyer get a win you know we've seen his teammate Kevin Harvick doing great maybe it's the year for Clint Boyer to break out and get that win and I think personally it would be great to see for Boyer who's had a very very tough few years to come away with a win and to be able to park it in victory lane again So heading into Fontana, we have Kevin Harvick at the top of the points, obviously. 
Uh, Kyle Busch just 12 behind him in second, still without a win this season. Toyota still without a win this season. Another Toyota, Martin Truex Jr., he's tied with Kyle Busch for second. He's in that third spot. Joey Logano is in fourth after having a not-so-strong day today in Phoenix. Ryan Blaney, his teammate, in fifth. Denny Hamlin in sixth. Brad Keselowski in seventh. Kyle Larson in eighth. Clint Boyer, who we just talked about, in ninth. And Eric Almirola rounds out the top ten in the ten car, which still is very impressive for me to see the ten car running You know better. It does have a different crew chief. It's not the same ten car as we saw last year. But Billy Scott and Kurt Busch are in 11. So Billy Scott was Annika Patrick's crew chief. We do see that now. Um, good to see that team really running what running better and, and Stuart Haas Racing as a whole. But I'm not going to jump back into that because I keep repeating myself on Stuart Haas Racing and how they're running well this season. So now as we shift gears and look at the third race of our NASCAR goes third and final race of our NASCAR goes West series of this part of the NASCAR season, we look at some drivers that are going to be good in Fontana. Obviously, you'd be dumb not to pick the 42 of Larson. Uh, Larson's run very well in Fontana over the past couple of years. It's it's a track almost like Michigan, so I think he can really get the job done there, and he did last year for Team Penske. So Kyle Larson definitely on my list of guys who can come home the winner. Brad Keselowski has run very well in the past at Fontana. We've seen the Fords run very well on these open mile-and-a-half to two-mile type racetracks. Maybe Brad Keselowski coming away with a win and locking himself into the playoffs. Uh, we saw Clint Boyer finish third there last year. He started 17th, but as we were just talking about, Clint Boyer and the Fords coming back, uh, maybe Clint Boyer finally gets the check mark on the win column for Stuart Haas Racing this com- upcoming weekend. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see just who does come away with the win. Uh, I think personally, like I said, it'll be Kyle Larson because they've run so consistently there before, and he's such a good driver when it comes to these racetracks. But maybe even Chase Elliott. We've seen Chase Elliott run good at places like Michigan. He finished 10th there last year in the only race at Fontana. Maybe Chase Elliott breaks out, and he finally gets his first win. Or maybe even Kevin Harvick comes back and and, uh, and finishes First again, four in a row. What do you think? Uh, After the season that they've had so far, why not? He finished 13th there last year. So I think Kevin Harvick could be a good contender. A lot of good guys that we could see finish well this weekend in Fontana. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Watch all that action come down on Sunday. Should be pretty good weather there in California. I haven't looked at the weather yet, so I'm not going to speak and confirm that for you. But they're in California this weekend. Going to be a lot of guests at the track uh very fun to see the action that takes place down there on the west coast so make sure you guys tune in and then tune in next tuesday for at the stripe podcast following fontana we're always here after the races every weekend make sure you also check out our website at tsjsports.com check out our nascar section we have such great writers i continue to say this every week we always appreciate your support on every part of our site whether it be nfl hockey wrestling we've got it all so check it out and tell us what you think about it leave us some comments make sure you also leave a comment on this podcast i love reaching like hearing from you guys and and getting your feel about the race getting your feel about what you think of the podcast what we can do to make it better and 
all of that jazz. So make sure you guys tune in, set your calendars, set your reminders for next Tuesday's episode. And I appreciate you tuning in on this one, and we'll see you next week. Until then, stay safe, folks.